It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. So this may shock you, but according to the American Heart Association, the average adult swallows 22 teaspoons of added sugar each day, mostly in the form of soft drinks, candy, cakes, cookies, pies. And not to be outdone, America's 14 to 18-year-olds consume an eye-popping 34 teaspoons of added sugar daily. This is just crazy, crazy statistics. Um, Sugar provides our bodies with zero protein and fat and virtually no trace of vitamins or minerals. But today's special guest, Dr. Julie Gatwa, is going to tell us what it does provide. Dr. Gatwa is a health educator, one of the nation's top chiropractic physicians with more than 30 years of clinical practice during which she assisted thousands of patients to resolve a wide variety of physical ailments. Using her understanding of the nervous system, nutrition, and alternative therapies, Dr. Gatwa's mission with each patient is to enhance their body's potential to heal itself. Okay. Okay. Good morning, Dr. Gatta. Welcome. Good morning, Randy. Nice to hear your voice. Nice to hear your voice. Well, I want you to know I I truly believe in chiropractic, so um, I support that. It's been a lifesaver for me in many, many cases. So just just to say that. Well, that's great. I'm third-generation chiropractor, and I don't know where I would be and where a lot of the people that we've worked on over the years would be without having that alternative solution to a lot of their physical ailments. Right. I think a lot of people are, are afraid of it because they, they think they're going to get cracked or something like that. But um, but it has saved my back so many times, my back and neck. But anyway, today we're going to talk about sugar. So... If there, is no, if there is no protein, no fat, no trace of vitamins or minerals, what does sugar actually do to us? Well, there's necessary sugars that are needed in metabolism so that we can actually assimilate nutrition. And at a cellular level, there is natural sugars that um, the body requires. But we get those adequately from our fruits and, and you know, basically a normal, healthy eating diet. The problem being is our society has changed so much, and, you know, I, I look at it and I think, huh, what really changed? You know, all this technology has changed in the world, and we've all adapted to it. And I think, uh, really, without even trying to admit it, I think people uh, think that the bodies have changed too, and it's okay to, you know, eat fast um, foods and have lots of sugar and eat, you know, anything that we used to have as a holiday food any day of the week. And all this quick food, instant gratification food, um, people aren't realizing that bodies haven't changed at all. They're the same that they've been over 2,000 years ago. And uh, 
they require the same type of nutrition and it's all, you know, pretty much gone down the sink as far as that goes. So we're uh, uh, overweight and feel lousy and have no energy and, you know, and crave more sugar. And there's all sorts of things that are going along with this that are really affecting people's, you know, not only physical health, but mental health as well. So true. I mean, my body doesn't allow me to eat too much sugar because all I'd be doing would be sleeping. <laughs> it knocks me out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's totally true. And, you know, sure, as high as sugar makes somebody feel, and, you know, instantly, you can see it on a little kid. They're a great, you know, sort of science experiment if you want to just watch. Give them candy, watch them run around the house for 20 minutes, and then watch them crash and be whiny and upset and cranky and, you know, not listening to anything you say, as high as the sugar made you feel, you actually go lower than that once it crashes. So the problem with sugar on that type of a situation is it unstabilizes your blood sugar. And instead of having a normal sort of wave throughout the day, you have these big crashes high and these big crashes low. And this is what um, exhausts the body over time. It wears out the adrenal glands. It wears out um, the, the pancreas, and it causes all sorts of problems, you know, eventually when it continues. And even, I mean, even eating too much fruit can provide too much sugar in our body, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, everything is in moderation. We all have, you know, gone off our programs and, you know, been a bit wild in the past couple of years with, you know, the uncertainty of what's been occurring. And, uh, you know, but bodies have this ability to recharge and, uh, you know, recoup pretty quickly. But the problem being is when you ask too much of it for so long, at that point it becomes worn out and no longer can do what it's supposed to do quickly for you. And sugar is highly addicting. I find it, at least I find it is. If I taste sugar, I want more. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, it's the nature of it. And, you know, the marketing in this country has really capitalized upon that aspect. So we've got, you know, sugar in so many of our foods that really there is no need for sugar to be in there whatsoever, except they have, you know, really um, uh, brainwashed us into believing that, you know, we have to have a certain type of sweet factor in our diet, even if we were eating, you know, something from a can that's a vegetable, they add sugar to it, or even frozen vegetables, they're adding sugar to it. And when you actually do successfully get yourself off the sugar wagon, you find that um, regular tasting food actually has more taste and you start to enjoy, you know, different healthy foods much more than you did when you were connected to needing the sugar all the time and uh, your taste buds were sort of adapted to it and so was the response of your body. So that's the other aspect is, you know, there's a specific body response that happens when you're eating sugar all the time and you get a bit addicted to that whether you're aware of it or not. Yeah, and there's actually, um, it, when I when I don't eat sugar for like the next maybe two days or something, maybe even longer, I just feel hungry all the time. It's like my body's saying, give it to me, I want sugar, uh, well, give it to me, right? <laughs> it's true, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, just coming off of sugar is, you know, it's a if you're really going to do it, everyone says, yeah, it's two, three, four days that, you know, it was kind of tough, but then after that they felt better. Now, that is the normal response to coming off of sugar. But what can occur with people that they're unaware of is, 
you can have an overgrowth of candida, which is yeast in your digestive system. And we all have a specific amount of yeast um, that's in balance with our good bacteria that naturally occurs in our system. But when it's been um, imbalanced, yeast needs sugar to survive. So a lot of times this feed me sugar is not just you having low willpower or you know you can't get over the sugar. It really is another organism screaming for sugar because they need it to continue to exist. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. So I think it's a lot more common than people are aware. And, you know, one of the things that can cause this is antibiotics. Because when you have, let's say, an ear infection in a child or a chest congestion in in an adult, and you take an antibiotic to wipe out that bacteria, it doesn't just wipe out the good or the bad bacteria. It wipes out your good bacteria in the digestive system in the gut. And so that keeps this yeast in check. And when it's wiped out, now the yeast go crazy. So you can have antibiotics five, ten years ago and still have this imbalance that's causing such a sugar craving along with this yeast overgrowth, which you get just, you know, a lot of symptoms that are so hard to um, diagnose medically because there isn't a great test for it. It's mostly what's going on with your history. So there's a lot of symptoms that are... Um, I think treated incorrectly because of the yeast imbalance. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, So sugar is really kind of a killer. It disrupts our metabolism. It creates an elevated risk of developing degenerative disease, early mortality. Um, What are some of the other things that other ways that sugar can ruin physical and mental health mental health well if you think a bunch of if you think about um, feeding a kid let's just say you know some sugary type breakfast in the morning and then you send them to school and you you know daily start to see what's happening with their performance Um, they're either uh, not paying attention they're sleepy they're way more energetic than they need to be possibly, you know, getting in arguments and surly or weepy or um, very quiet. A lot of this is simply what does it do to a person's, you know, sort of mental function because you've got this sort of up and then down with the sugar imbalance going on within the body. So, you know, kids are just a really good magnifying glass of what's occurring. And, you know, I see it with adults all the time, you know, people that are super hungry because their blood sugar has dropped too low you know, whatever you have to do to bring that up at that moment, what, you know, the normal thing would be to feed them, but often people will reach for the next chocolate bar or the next cup of coffee or, you know, a soda pop and, you know, normalize themselves. Well, it's not normal to have those responses. It means your nutrition is not working properly within the body. It means there's possibly, you know, this yeast situation occurring. And, you know, the, the best way to sort of get a handle on this is, one, to eat, Um, a very good um, protein-loaded breakfast in the morning. Not skip breakfast, not have carbohydrates and a cup of coffee and call it, you know, a breakfast. But sit down and have something that's full of protein, whether it's eggs and bacon and, you know, maybe last night's dinner if you don't want to eat, you know, breakfast-type things. But uh, that helps to normalize and set yourself up for the rest of the day to have blood sugar that actually has a chance to work properly. And those who skip breakfast are often those who crave sugar at night 
sitting on the couch and can't really stop, you know, going to the pantry and, and you know, eating the sugary things late at night because they've, uh, they've skipped the breakfast in the morning. It's almost a one-for-one one statistic. That's really, that's something to really pay attention to. And we can, um, as far as the yeast goes, that's really what probiotics are for, really, to restore the gut health. Right. Yes, it's to help restore the gut health, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily wipe out the yeast. And, you know, over the years, when I've been practicing, it has really been just an, oh, just a, I mean, you know, I hate to say it this way, but it's been a nightmare to take on somebody who really had a candida overgrowth because it was six months to two years to normalizing. They had all to eliminate every single amount of sugar in their diet, including fermented foods. And, you know, usually they were rolling in with suitcases full of all these remedies and teas and over-the-counter things that they've been trying to handle because not only is it just the overgrowth of the yeast, but they also were um, experiencing, you know, chronic yeast infections or chronic urinary tract infections or fungal infections in the body, brain fog, um, real fatigue, uh, itchy skin, um, you know, legs and arms that, you know, really itched, especially at night, and just a host of symptoms, including nail fungus. So it was a real pain to try to handle these people. And um, I found a product that uh, is an herb that's grown in New Zealand called from the Horopito plant. And I've been using it on my patients now for a number of years. And within a 30-day period, they take this, herb and uh, it basically wipes out the excessive yeast colonies so this puts it back in normal and the person does need to follow a decent diet during that month but it's amazing how it resets the situation and um, you know it's not a long-term fix it's a short-term handling and uh, I'm thrilled to have found it because I haven't seen anything that's equal to it that's pretty interesting um, <clears throat> So sugar can actually suppress our immune system, can't it? It sure can. And when the immune system is overworked, uh, you know, and asking all the time for it to work, keep in mind everything that uh, your immune system has to fight infection or anything that it's fighting, um, it has to be absorbed in the digestive system. So if your digestive system is imbalanced and you cannot absorb properly what will happen is you don't get the nutrition into the bloodstream to basically feed the immune system what it needs to fight. So this is why digestion is such an important factor to getting somebody's health back. And this is why, you know, putting this um, balance back into the digestive system, you know, I don't care what it is that you've had, whether it's just a new fatigue or a long-term chronic illness, I, I would say that this is the most neglected area uh, amongst, um, you know, traditional medicine is really looking at what's happening in the um, in the gut. And, uh, you know, that the product that I've used for, that helps to handle the yeast is called Colorex, and uh, K-O-L-O-R-E-X, and it does put that candida back into its normal um, balance. And, you know, once that's a normal balance, now you ha- at least have a chance to help to absorb the nutrition that you need to get the immune system working. What does it feel like? To when the candida begins to die in the body. I mean, because that's, that's detoxing in a sense, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, when I first started using this a long time ago, I forgot to tell my patients, you know, there will be a die-off phase. And so I had a 
number of patients at the same time coming in saying, you know, I've been on this for three days. I do not feel good. And I, I went, oh, my goodness, sorry. So the fact is those colonies are dying off. And you can feel fatigued, a little less than great, you know, maybe a little spacey. But, you know, you do have to get it out of the system and, you know, the die-off you, you can experience, but it's nothing any worse than what you're experiencing any given day to some degree when you're experiencing, you know, an overgrowth of yeast. And if we don't have or we're not sure that we have candida, can we take this? Would, would there be any adverse effects to taking cholera? Not that I've seen. Not that I've okay. seen. You know, I've had patients <clears throat> that um, – had been from New Zealand, and I was mentioning this horopito plant for them, and they kind of went, oh, yeah, horopito. It was sort of like they rolled their eyes like, yeah, yeah, we know all about that, because the indigenous tribes of um, of New Zealand have been using this for thousands of years, and uh, it's only grown there. So it's really well known within the New Zealanders, and um, it's been used for a lot more than just candida die-off. So they've been using it for all sorts of health problems. So you know, it's an herb, and to be, you know, respected not to overtake anything as far as herbs go. But uh, I haven't seen any ill effects from using the um, the Colorex at all. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So it can also cause premature aging. How does it do that? Yeah. Well, sugar itself um, can break down the collagen. And when you start to have different areas of the body that aren't able to replenish and reproduce and uh, get the molecules in the skin, you know, filled and plumped and juicy and energetic, what will happen is you start to get wrinkles and sagging and the ex- accelerated effects of aging because of the fact that it, it damages the, um, the molecules that help to keep those plump, the, el- the elastin and the collagen molecules. So it's really kind of the appearance of premature aging that, that, we're talking about yeah exactly and you know the nice thing about it is is you know cells are cells all of them turn around within I think it's I don't know how many years but you know within a certain amount of time every one of your cells renews it so if you you know even at let's say 80 degree I mean 80 years old decide that you want to be healthier I've seen so many patients change their bodies even in 30 days just because they changed some of their habits and you know, took some of the normal things that they've been missing and started to, you know, just reverse some of these effects. And, you know, bodies respond really uh, quickly when they've been properly handled. And uh, so I've seen people that really do look way old. They have sags and bags under their eyes and dark circles and, you know, jowls are sagging and skin looks sort of, you know, halfway there. And, I've seen them really change the appearance of themselves where, you know, I've taken a lot of before and after pictures over the years, and there's no doubt the afters are a lot better, and we did not apply makeup. (laughs) How do we mitigate the um, discomfort of getting off of sugar? I I think the best thing is, one, eating eating your breakfast and having lots of protein. Um, Two, same thing with lunch. You must have protein, and same thing with dinner. Putting a lot of fresh vegetables into that as well um, makes a big difference, and lots and lots of water. Um, you know, let's say that you're a, a consumer of some sort of uh, drink like uh, soda pop or juices and things like that. I always say take five days to start cutting it out and, you know, half it, then half it again, then half it again while you're putting in some of these, you know, good uh, habits because 
as soon as you start to feed the body and give the cells what it, they need, you might not get the instant effect of, woo, I feel good after having that chocolate bar. But if you wait 10 or 15 minutes, you will feel so much better by having a hard-boiled egg because you've actually given your body what it really needs, not just boosted it artificially with the sugars. Interesting. So it obviously increases the risk of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, um, and diabetics. Can they have sugar at all? Yes, they certainly can, and they do. It's just you have to get the body's um, response working much better than it was when they first walked in. I mean, when they walk in, you can measure the blood sugar with somebody, and, you know, every morning or however many times a day, they're taking their blood and measuring the sugar in the blood. And when we improve the diet, when we get the digestive system handled, when we get them on this colorex and, you know, start to kill off the yeast that's, you know, causing a lot of this desire for the sugar, uh, the coolest part about, you know, treating somebody that's a diabetic is they actually get to measure every day what's improving. And there's no lying about it. Their sugars are either high or their sugars are coming down and, and stabilizing. And, uh, you know, those who don't know about this are now, um, you know, put on medication and told they can pretty much eat whatever they want. And so, the you know, <laughs> the ball keeps rolling down the hill out of control for them and, you know, they get more ill each year. I didn't know that they could actually eat sugar, refined sugar. Hmm. Okay. You and know, I know you're that... not supposed to eat a lot of it, but if you stabilize a body, anyone can have refined sugar. It's, you know, clearly we can. We There's so much of it in our diets. It's just you know, while you're trying to get somebody healthy, we want to keep them off the things that will slow down that process. But once somebody's healthy, gosh, there's so many things in this, uh, let's just say this country, to experience as far as foods go. So, you know, then it's in moderation, but you've got to get the body healthy and get them to realize that they're in control of fixing that first so then they can, you know, go off that normal, Steve, and, you know, have some fun occasionally. <laughs> The thing that scares me the most about sugar is the fact that it feeds cancer cells. Is right? Is, is that true? Well, absolutely. Cancer. Yep. Cancer thrives on sugar. So you know, anytime you've got sugar in the body, we all have cancer cells happening all day long, and it's when we are imbalanced that this starts to get out of control. So you know, if you're trying to balance the body, you have to start with the diet and the gut health first and foremost. And when you actually, you know, start to really improve somebody's diet and uh, give them what they need and let them uh, digest it and absorb it properly, they can get the nutrition at a cellular level to be able to carry on like a healthy person. So, you know, cancer needs the sugar to survive. So you've got, you know, that situation that's, I think, happening, you know, I don't have the statistics of it, but Certainly, a lot more cancer is popping up than it was, let's just say, 50 years ago, and it has to be because of our diet. We just, you know, we no way ate this much sugar way back when. I saw a picture of um, people on Clearwater Beach. I live in Clearwater, Florida, and it was from the 70s, and I blew it up the other day. It was on my phone, and I just wanted to see. It was a super crowded day, and every person on the beach was slender. The elderly, the men, the women, the kids, there wasn't a single weight problem on the beach. Everyone looked fine. And, uh, you know, what's changed since the 70s? Well, our food has changed, our supply of food, 
the amount of fast food restaurants have changed, the amount of drinks that we have that are not water or not just holiday type drinks. So, you know, we've just sugared our, our society and, and given them such bad alternatives that, you know, now we take a look at ourselves and, you know, every one of us is battling weight at some level. And we didn't even have the gym back in the 70s. And now everyone's having to follow these diets and, you know, take all these nutrients and, you know, go to the gym and, and you know, what is going on? It has to be our diets and what's in our food. And so I know someone who was going through um, cancer treatment and had tremendous sugar cravings. So is it kind of the same thing like the candida where the body is saying, give me more, I want more, and the cancer would be the same thing? You know, it's for each individual, yes, and, you know, whatever medication they're taking as well can also cause the lull, and the thing that the body will do is say, hey, you know, we're low energy, tell them they need sugar, that'll bring it up immediately. So you've got that going on as well. So it probably was an imbalance, probably some of the medications and, you know, cancer itself, you know, is causing that, you know, ill effect. Are there sugar substitutes that are healthy? Now, first let's talk about, you know, like um, maple syrup, um, um, agave, nectar, things like that. But they're basically sugar, aren't they? They are. And, you know, the thing about it is is the refined sugars, like the cane sugar, are the ones that the body has the hardest time handling. Now, things like, you know, Fruit sugar, that's the one that people will do the best with because it's recognized by the body and utilized the easiest, the fructose. So, you know, you do have the agave sugars and the stevias and you've got honey, maple syrup. You know, those are better substitutions in my book than cane sugar and the refined white sugar itself. However, should also, you know, be watched because, you know, they do cause a similar reaction. So if somebody's trying to get off of sugar and yet they're, you know, putting, you know, a quarter cup of honey on their cereal, well, they're not going to be winning that game anytime soon. So, you know, those those are easier to digest and break down than it is the cane sugar. So that's a good sort of place to start when they're um, trying to alleviate the sugar craving. So what about alcohol sugars? Are they okay for I the mean, body? alcohol, sh- mm-hmm. it's a similar thing. They they um, don't break down as well. They're, you know, instantly absorbed and utilized, which is why, you know, a lot of times people um, feel so much better after they just have one drink. It just instantly goes into the system and, you know, all things start to feel better and work faster at the moment. And, um, and so, you know, alcohol is, is in the same area of, you know, the cane sugar. It's not going to be doing you any favors other than the taste and maybe some of the reactions, but, you know, it also puts a uh, a load on the liver to have to detoxify what's in the alcohol as well, or the effects from the alcohol. Right. And there are, um, I'm just looking this up right now because I'm just trying to, so things like mannitol, sorbitol, xylitol, lactitol, you know, those kind of things, um, they're called sugar alcohols. And, how do they affect the body? Same, same as what we've been talking about as far as, you know, the alcohol. Because there's different types of sugars, and some are um, broken down easier, and some of them are a little harder to, um, to break down. So, you know, in, 
I always look back at like what would the ancestors have to work with, and you know where are we looking at as far as bodies and and you know the country or our environment has to offer, and it would be you know the sugars that you are getting from um, the fruit that you're eating, even the sugars that you're getting from the grains that we consume, because there's you know uh, a lot of sugars in that. So adding extra sugar to our diet is more of a taste situation rather than a necessity and uh, you know if somebody was to just eat a super clean diet they would have a, you know a very healthy situation where they've been putting in the correct things through through the meat the vegetables the the uh, fruits and then the grains themselves and refined grains turn to sugar in the body don't they so like white bread white rice um, anything that's been stripped down from its natural state, um, it just turns right to sugar in our bodies, doesn't it? It should, yeah, it sure does. That's why whole grains are so much better for the body because they're uh, in a form that the body has to use a little bit more work to break down. However, it's a longer term stabilization for the system itself and um, it's something that uh, is processed and handled a lot easier than refining a grain and, uh, you know, eating the white rice and eating the, um, the white type bread, and, you know, in all forms. And there are some fruits that are lower in glycemic, um, in their glycemic levels, like berries, um, raspberries, blackberries, right? So if we're going to, That's choose, correct. And then if we want to really cut out our sugar, which fruits are better for us to eat? You know, the berries are hands down one of the better ones to have. Blueberries in particular are quite good. Um, you've got strawberries and things like that that are good. You know, um, obviously uh, bananas are really high in sugar, so they're a harder, you know, fruit on the body. And, you know, you can basically look it up and you will see the ones that go, you know, all the way that are decent, the ones that are bad, and then there's some in the middle. Um, you know, things that have pectin in it, such as peaches and apples, um, those are, and pears, those are sort of in the middle and, you know, um, air towards better um, fruit to eat than, you know, something like the bananas and the heavy sugared things like grapes. Mm. Yeah, I can't eat bananas. I get headaches from them. I mean, I, I think I think <laughs> it is too much sugar for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've, I've seen it a lot with patients. And, and the other thing is, you know, grapes are, uh, you know, delicious and fine, have a little bit of them, but people usually sit down and eat a heck of a lot of grapes, and it's a, it's a heavy sugared fruit that, uh, you know, does that number on the body. Right. What about melons? You know, melons, I've always appreciated melons for what they are, but also within um, reason. People will often eat a heck of a lot of melon in one sitting, so now you're looking at the quantity rather than the quality of it. Okay. So really, you know, this really requires that we take a look at our diet and see what we're doing. And, you know, I know, I remember years ago, maybe back in the 80s, when the no fat craze came out and everything was no fat, no fat, no fat. But what they did was they added plenty of sugar. And so it wasn't fat, but it was sugar, but sugar turns can turn to fat. So it was kind of right. I mean, you're laughing. I am laughing. I remember being at um, a mall where I was talking with patients and they had some 
no-fat cake, chocolate cake or something, and this very large girl and her mother walked up to the table and said, oh, my gosh, this is great. It's no fat. And I looked over, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Something is so terribly wrong in this world at this point that, you know, these two people somehow are convinced that this is okay to eat. And, you know, the no fat um, was actually very harmful to bodies because we all need good fats, and we need good fats to even lose weight. And uh, we need it for hormone production. We need it for skin um, replenishment and aging. And so also we need um, good fats to fight pain and inflammation in the body. So, you know, we've had all these ups and downs. And I always try to look at, you know, what the heck did our grandparents eat? And if they were eating it normally, and this is something that was served in their households, whether they were farmers or whatever they were doing, um, it was probably a lot healthier to eat that way than it is how we've been taught now. What are some of the best fats for us to eat? I mean, I know olive oil, avocado oil. What are, I mean, so you said fats are good for us. Um, obviously, um, we don't want to have tons of butter or things like that. What are the best ones? You know, eggs are a wonderful source of fat for people. And it's such a, a you know, a perfect food because it has protein and it has uh, good fats in it. And, you know, it doesn't boost your blood sugar. So it keeps it at a nice maintained level. You know, nuts are decent in the fat that they have, but the problem being is um, nuts to be uh, absorbed and utilized properly, which is sort of lost in um, translation, because this is what our, um, uh, our grandparents did, was they would take whole nuts and soak them overnight. And soaking them overnight releases their natural enzymes so that they actually can be broken down and utilized. So, you know, I'll buy whole raw almonds, soak them overnight and um, uh, rinse them. And now you have nuts that are actually helpful to the body rather than hard on the gut and uh, basically not terribly filled with the good fats that you need. So, you know, there's different types of, um, of you know, chicken and, and fish, salmon, things like that are high in good fats as well. And, you know, those are where people should be, you know, eating as well. I know that, you know, in general, people aren't eating enough uh, uh, seafood because either they're living in the interior of the country or they don't like it or whatever the reason. But, you know, varying your different sources of seafood is also helpful for the fat content for people as well. And coconut oil is something that's really gotten very popular in the last, you know, five or ten years. Um, people are using a lot of coconut it's true. So it's easier digested. It's an easy um, oil to just add to things. You could use it as, you know, a creamer in, you know, your different drinks that you're having. Um, and uh, you can cook with it as far as that goes. So it is a, a wonderful oil that's, you know, filled with the good types of fats that the body needs. I use avocado oil a lot because, you know, it doesn't have that, that smoke factor um, like olive oil does. So if you put olive oil in a pan, um, it's going to burn very quickly. Co avocado oil doesn't really do that. And I think coconut oil has, does not. Yeah, it has a higher temperature that it can go towards without causing the, 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 the nature of it. So, yeah, I've used, I've used it too, and it's delicious, even when you eat it raw, like on a salad. Mm -hmm. um, so what are your feelings about organic foods? 
Well, over all these years that I've been treating patients, I have never recommended that somebody have to have organic food to get their health back. So that's just the truth. I've never wanted to put that expense. I didn't want to put that hardship on them, especially if they had more, you know, people in the family that they're cooking for. And uh, I've been extremely successful treating a lot of chronic problems by basically addressing the digestive system first and foremost. Um, Anyone who goes the extra mile and is eating organic foods, well done. I, you know, applaud you. You know, I know that it's, you know, an area that can be a little skeptical from who says is it organic or not. But, you know, I suppose it's just like eating from mom's kitchen garden when we were kids. You know, we'd go out and tomatoes tasted the best they'd ever had, you'd ever have, and cucumbers and the lettuce grown there was just full of flavor. And, you know, there wasn't pesticides being used in the garden. And, you know, mom would switch where she'd put her garden each year so that there would be different minerals in the soil. And, uh, you know, that's the best of all the world. So, if organic can mimic that, then well done. And I have nothing on anyone, you know, going that extra mile. I think they're doing themselves a nice service. Are you concerned about the dirty dozen? Absolutely. I mean, I think this is an extremely uh, toxic planet at this point, And, you know, I think our food is really, you know, altered and changed. But, you know, more than just that, I think that, our eating habits are so far off of what normal should be that that is where people need to actually start is, you know, putting in protein each meal, start, you know, eating a lot more fruits and vegetables and knocking out a lot of their, you know, breads and grains and sweets and quick foods and microwave things. And, you know, there is the first concern for me is people just aren't putting in the effort to uh, eat good food. Right. I mean, there's very specific vegetables that and fruits that I will only buy organic because I know they're so high in, in pesticides like green beans and potatoes. Um, kale. Kale is one of them. Kale is, is in the dirty dozen list. And everybody loves kale. Well, I shouldn't say everybody loves kale, but kale is, <laughs> kale is a big fad. Kale is a big fad. But, you know, if, sure. it's, if it's going to be full of pesticides, then you know, it's good in one sense and then not so good in the other. So, I mean, um, it's it's such a confusing area. It's it's really, it makes you almost nuts. And then, you know, you hear one thing from one source and one thing from another. And I believe you're absolutely right on this. Yes. However, it sounds like you eat well anyhow. So, mm-hmm. you know, now you're going to the next step of, okay, I'm eating well, so let's, you know, improve my decent choices with even better choices and you know I don't like to ever shove that onto somebody when they first come in to me because it's just too much. You're right. So, it's very, you know. It can be very overwhelming. I mean I know through over the years um, practitioners have, because I've always had digestive issues, practitioners have put me on these really strict diets you know and it, it is. It's too much at one time. It can overwhelm you. You can't do it all at one time. So, yeah, I've been doing this yeah. for a really, really long time. So It I sounds like it because all, yes, all the things that you're asking are things that, you know, a seasoned <laughs> understanding uh, takes and have been, you know, through it, through the ringer one way or the other. Right. I know my mother used to let me have cake for breakfast, and I was always in such a bad mood. <laughs> you know, I was sleepy. I didn't pay attention. 
Um, it's got to be the worst thing you can give a kid, cake, in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely. You probably thought that she was a hero at the time, though. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I did. I did. Um, what about corn syrup? Corn syrup is, is really a no-no. But, you know, it doesn't sound, when you say corn syrup, it sounds like, okay, it's just a syrup from a corn. But it's from corn. But what is that? Mm-hmm. It's, more, it's more chemical, isn't it? Yes, and, you know, since corn has basically been so modified at this point, it is a cheaper way to sweeten things. And, um, you know, it, it certainly, I don't think it started off as something that was so mm, sort of tough on the body, but I think over time with everything else that's been changed as far as our grains go, and, and you know, corn is a grain, um, it's a cheap way to, to um, sweeten things. And, you know, the, the real factor is, is, if somebody's eating a lot of corn syrup, it means their diet is already off the rails. Because, you know, I don't really, I, a normal, good, healthy diet with the occasional corn syrup is not going to be any problem for somebody. But if it is starting to be a problem, then you really have to take a look. What the heck is this person eating? How many pops a day are they drinking? How many, you know, candy bars and, and you know, candy from bags and, you know, vegetables from cans and, you know, things that are microwaved and frozen and microwaved and prepared meals, now you're looking at an overload of the corn syrup. So I think it's not just the corn syrup. I think it's everything else that's been added to those things. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I remember watching, I think, I don't know if it was a documentary or um, a movie about Coca-Cola and Pepsi, and um, and there was a part in there where the the young person who, you know, was the innovative new change person decided or or they shared the fact that they could save a lot of money by putting corn syrup in their sodas um, rather mm-hmm. than sugar. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think people like that. <laughs> I think it didn't work out so well for them. Well, I think that uh, it it became normal after a while. And, you know, I rarely, rarely buy pop, but um, on occasion – I have seen where, I think it's uh, around Lent, where they'll have, like, Mexican Coke, because I think Mexico doesn't put corn syrup into the Coke. And I have bought it as a, you know, as a treat in the house. And there is definitely a difference between, you know, the the cane sugar compared to the corn syrup in a bottle of Coke. And, you know, it's a a funny thing because (laughs) anyone that hears me talking about drinking pop would just be laughing that I actually, because I rarely do, but... I'm just like everyone else. I think it tastes amazing also. It's just not a <laughs> habit I want to get myself into. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. I think that putting the corn syrup saved a lot of money for the um, for the companies because they didn't have to buy the expensive white cane sugar. Right. And corn syrup is often like one of the first ingredients in almost all foods that you pick up that have sugar in them. I mean, I look for that. If I see corn syrup, I put the thing right down. Yeah, uh, I understand. I mean, you know, you know, just shopping in general, if people are, you know, mindful and wanting to improve their health and, you know, they're trying to do this, you know, cheaply and conservatively and, you know, do it where they don't have to go through, you know, all sorts of, you know, contortions to get themselves back on track, um, first and foremost, shop on the perimeter of the grocery store. Because if you're on the perimeter of the grocery store, that's basically where you're going to get everything fresh and, you know, even frozen as far as, you know, clean vegetables. So, 
you know, if you start going on the interior of the grocery store and the frozen food section as far as, you know, prepared meals, now you're looking at all sorts of ingredients that, you know, I don't understand what those foods are, and I'm certainly not going to spend my time looking them up. If I had to, then it probably isn't real food. That's true. So increasing fiber can also help us ditch the sugar habit, right? It can, but keep in mind, the way that I like people to get their fiber is um, through vegetables, you know, because we all eat a tremendous amount of grains, and people associate fiber with grains, and that's how they're going to get it. But we're already getting enough in our diets as it is throughout the day from our, you know, sandwiches and our toast and bagels and scones and, you know, buns and all the different treats that we have and crackers. We've got, we're getting plenty of fiber from grains, but what we're lacking is fiber from vegetables. So if you start increasing your vegetables, you know, just by a few meals each week, that will do yourself, you know, a, a much better service. And, you know, fiber also is really um, within a lot of your fruits as well. So, you know, increasing your fruits and vegetables is going to be the way to win that game. Right. Avocados have a lot of fiber. Lentils have fiber. Yeah, Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels sprouts. Me too. Yeah. I mean, even prunes have fiber. So, you know, know, the old sort of solutions to getting people's digestion working properly, I mean, they are still the ones that will work. So, you know, if you, you know, start eating like your grandparents, I guess, when they were younger, uh, you're going to get your health back just by, you know, asking them, what the heck did you have for breakfast? What did you have for lunch? Would you, did you have snacks? No, we didn't have snacks. Did you have coffees and teas and pops all throughout the day? No, we had a cup of coffee in the morning. We didn't consume, you know, sugary, weird coffee drinks with sugar cream, I mean, with the whipped cream on them at the, you know, oh, store yeah. in the afternoon and then, you know, send our kids back to high school <laughs> and try to learn for the rest of the afternoon. Oh, that is, it's such a tease for people, and so many people, you know, buy into that, and they do have that coffee every single day, the fancy coffee, I know. whipped cream, and everything like that, and Starbucks is making a fortune. <laughs> it, it is, and, you know, in, in turn, helping out the, uh, the, you know, the other area where people are getting sick, and they're needing, you know, different medications because they've had poor diet since. Right. So are there other diseases that are directly attributable to sugar consumption? We talked about um, obesity, heart disease, cancer. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of the autoimmune disease um, are are very much directed to that because it's digestively also um, started. So, you know, if your digestive system is working properly and you've got a good bacteria imbalance, and you've got your yeast imbalance, and you've got the ability to break down these foods, that means you have the ability to get nutrition into the bloodstream and carrying it to the rest of the body. If you cannot do that properly, let's say you get um, what we call a leaky gut, where you have a lot of these nutrients uh, sort of doing like a scrubbing, um, where your foods are like scrubbing the inside of the intestine, the tiny holes that um, should have let nutrition in, is now letting in all sorts of large food par- particles. So the immune system is seeing all this, saying, oh, my gosh, we've got an intruder. We need to attack. So now you've got your body, your immune system, attacking the things in your bloodstream, attached to your bloodstream, and now you have an autoimmune situation. 
So, you know, I would say the basis of pretty much all chronic um, disease does stem from your digestive system first and foremost. Now, there are certainly exceptions, but, I, you know, when I first started practicing and we realized that the gut had a lot to do with what's going on with people, you know, fixing the digestive system helped kids with asthma. Fixing the digestive system helps people with, you know, horrible skin problems and, you know, yeast infections and autoimmune disorders and the diabetes itself and, you know, fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue. So, you know, yes, 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 I would say that, you know, no matter what somebody is experiencing health-wise, if they put attention on correcting what's going on at their gut, they have a heck of a lot better chance of beating what it is that they're trying to um, overcome. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, um, I've been doing um, Chinese medicine and acupuncture for many years. I've been going. I found it really, really helpful for me. Um, And I had stopped going for a while, and I just started with a new practitioner. And the first thing he did, and I went in for, like, a skin condition. First thing he did was he Mm -hmm. went into the, the digestion. You know, that's that's at the core of everything. He's got me juicing and, you know, just all kinds of things. When you talk about um, yeast, <clears throat> what about, like, nutritional yeast? Is that going to be – does that feed candida? No. I mean, yes, it does. However, the candida is basically uh, when it's overgrown and when it's out of balance from stress poor eating habits, maybe too much, you know, uh, you know, wild weekends at a time, you know, COVID certainly changed a lot of our habits overnight and then kept, you know, changing them because we didn't know when it was going to end. Um, You know, having an operation, all this can imbalance what's going on digestively. So nutritional yeast is filled with good um, B vitamins that are really nice for the body. However, somebody experiencing candida and yeast symptoms should stay away from the yeast for the moment, um, get this balance where it, you know, is back in normal and, you know, get on the colorex from the, you know, horopeo plant and, you know, do your 30-day stent and then you can get back to what your normal is. And, you know, if you want to add some nutritional yeast to your diet, that's perfectly fine. It's just, you know, people are... Uh, you know, trying to do so many things at the same time. And, you know, the first thing is get the digestive system working properly. Get the yeast, if it's overgrown, you know, back into control. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot more uh, imbalance going on with people's digestive systems than I used to when I first started as a doctor. And I do believe it's our diet. I believe it's the things that we're, you know, told that are fine for us and they really aren't fine. And we're finding out later that, you know, maybe we shouldn't have been eating these things. But, you know, getting digestion working properly and, and adhering to some of the things that we've talked about today is just the first step. Right. <clears throat> so we've talked about a lot of things. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we finish today? Well, I can tell you if you have some interest, um, if you'd like to go to the uh, website and, and read a bit about the Colorex, it comes in a lot of different um, forms. And that website is uh, naturesources.com. And, uh, you know, educate yourself. I know if you've been listening to us, you know, you're getting a bit of information. And it's lovely to get yourself educated and, you know, smarter. But nothing will change unless you do something about it. And, uh, you know, I always find that 
you know, taking time and educating somebody is, you know, first and foremost, the thing that should be done because then somebody has the ability to follow it on their own. But, you know, take it the next step and read a bit more about what's going on with that. Um, they can also call the 1-800 number, and um, they can get 20% off their first order if they use the code RADIO. And that phone number is 1-800-827-7656. Don't forget to use the code RADIO. And uh, I always say order a couple bottles to start because if you keep one in your medicine cabinet and if you've been on antibiotics or somebody else in your family has been or you know, you're trying to get your weight under control and different symptoms of yeast overgrowth, uh, you know, back into normal, then, you know, have that on hand and be able to use it when you want to do it. Mm, that's really good. Taking, so if we are on antibiotics, because every once in a while you have something that you just absolutely need it for, um, of do course. we want to take probiotics along with it, or do we want to wait till we're finished the course of the treatment and then take the probiotics? You know, it depends on how long you're going to be on the antibiotics. If it's for a long course, then get on the probiotics, you know, as soon as you can. If it's really just a 10-day for the antibiotics, then I would say hold off on the day you're done with the antibiotics and start the probiotics. Um, this company, Nature Sources, also makes a, uh, a wonderful digestive enzyme, and it's called Absorbate Platinum. And it not only has the ability to break down the foods, but it also has... Um, the, uh, the um, good bacteria and the probiotics to uh, also handle what's going on with the gut. So, you know, the best therapy I've seen is to get yourself um, on the Colorex for the 30 days, one a day, uh, put yourself on the Absorbate Platinum, and now you've got all the bits and pieces that you need to make sure that your um, system from that point will be able to work the best that it can, and switching up your diet a bit is then, you know, the final you know, sort of winning bell for you. Right. So what's the company that makes Absorb Aid Platinum? Nature. Uh, yes, it's um, Nature's, yeah, naturesources.com. Okay. All right. And what's different about that um, digestive aid than, than others that are out there? Well, I've used a lot of them in 31 years, and uh, this one is a vegan formula. It, uh it, it's made in a way that there's only a handful of vitamin companies in this country who are doing things all the way correctly, not just cutting corners. Uh, these guys are not cutting corners, and I have seen um, this digestive enzyme help out even, you know, when somebody's having severe heartburn two hours after they've eaten, um, given those digestive enzymes really calms it down and, you know, basically it goes away. So it handles the gas, the bloating, the indigestion, heartburn, you know, acid reflux. And uh, I've been just totally pleased with this because I've had a lot of different enzymes come across my plate over the years and certainly suggested a lot of them. And this one, you know, hands down has been working the best that I've seen of all, all the ones that even were doctor prescribed that I've um, given to patients over the years. I'm going to look that up because um, I've been taking an enzyme, um, and it helps me, you know, but I, I'd like to know that I'm taking the best that I can because I'm working on my digestion right now. <laughs> so um, nice. I think, now can we take something like this, um, you know, after our meals, after, you know, when yes. we're starting out, when we're starting to begin to work on our, our digestion? I have, 
Yeah, the optimal is to take it right before your meal and then, you know, put it there and then you start eating and it's there to help you break it down. But if you remember in the middle of your meal, if you remember it afterwards, um, that's perfectly fine as well. And, you know, keep in mind, one of the things that might be happening is you just aren't taking enough. So if your digestion is really under some stress, you might want to start with taking two or three per meal started to get that working properly, get your food broken down, and then as it's working better, um, you don't have to take so many. So, you know, it's maybe just be the the amount that you want to start with to um, kind of double up on it just to get it going. Okay. So, I mean, we're all going to be so much healthier if we listen to you. <laughs> um, I'm glad. Thank you, Dr. Julie. This is really important. You know, I like to talk about everything that is wellness-focused, um, but I think this topic is something that, and, and a lot of the topics that I bring on my show, um, not everybody grasp, you know, gra- gravitates towards every topic, but this is one that everybody relates to. So I think it's super <laughs> important, and I thank you so much for putting this out there so that we can, you know, and share well, it Thank you us. so much. It's my purpose and, you know, my pleasure to educate the most I can and to give people natural solutions so that they're in control of their health and not, you know, at the mercy of what's going to happen to them next. So thank you for having this show and, and me on today. Yes, you're very welcome. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening. Hi, Randy.